The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square. Tonight, we're also being simulcast on our sister station, WBCA 102.9 FM radio. And tonight, we continue our coverage of election 2023. Uh, it's less than a week now until the polls open. It's uh, Tuesday, November 7th, uh, city council election races. And uh, uh, pretty much across the board, uh, tonight, you'll meet two more of the at-large candidates running. That's two of the eight. And of course, the voters will elect the top four. Then also in the second half, well, we'll shift gears just a bit. If you live in West Roxbury or Jamaica Plain, you'll want to tune in a mini debate with the uh, top two finishers in the preliminary election, William King and Ben Weber. We'll find out what separates them and uh, what challenges they face as the uh, next District 6 counselor. All that and more tonight on Talk of the Neighborhoods. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heiselios. Tonight, we continue our election 2023 coverage of the city council races. Uh, of course, Tuesday is election day, just a, a mere days away, and voters will have an opportunity uh, citywide to elect uh, four at-large city councilors. Uh, at least uh, there's three incumbents running uh, and five challengers. And in this first half tonight, you'll meet two of the eight that are in this race. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, Sean Nelson on my far right, uh, activist and uh, 
a man who's making his first run for public office, also making her first run for public office, Catherine Vitale. And I want to thank you both for coming. Thanks so much. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thanks for having, having us. Thanks for coming in tonight. Well, why don't we, uh, this is your first time running, so, uh, you know, perhaps a lot of the voters aren't familiar with you. I, I know you've been making the rounds to lots of <laughs> forums and all of that, but uh, uh, tell us uh, something about yourselves. Uh, what makes you different than the other candidates in the race, and what makes you more qualified, in your opinion? And, Sean, why don't we start with you, if you don't mind? Well, born and raised in Boston, English high school graduate, U.S. Marine Corps, works as a nursing assistant. So in this race, I just saw that our government's not working for us when it comes to these elected officials. They forget who put them in office, and I'm one of their constituents, so they've ignored me as, as well when I come have my concerns about what's going on in the city and my, what I do for work. Um, so I just, I'm, like a, I'm not going to say and act like I have all, all the answers, but when I see a lot of the problems that we have, it's, it's common sense. Mm -hmm. It's law and order, making sure you're listening to your constituents' concerns and, and addressing them. And we see this during the election cycles that a lot of the neighborhoods are echoing the same thing. Our city councilors are not listening to us. They're bickering in chambers about nonsense that has nothing to do with the city. And people like myself were tired of it. And since we don't have people bold enough to get up and run, so I thought, if they're not going to go do their jobs themselves, well, let me go run and try to do a better job than, than, than they are. Wow. Welcome to the race. Nice mm -hmm. to have Thank you, you. in. Catherine, what about you? What, what makes you different? Uh, what made you decide to run for office? Um, so I have, I feel, many different life experiences mm -hmm. that give me a unique perspective on how to assess the problems of the city. Um, I got involved in, I got civically engaged because I had a situation with DCF, the Department of Children and uh -huh. Families, with my children back in 2018. And the whole situation was so corrupt, and I had no idea that it was like that. So um, I realized that I needed to get involved in politics to try to make a change mm -hmm. so that f other families wouldn't continue to get violated the way that my family was violated by the department. And um, I worked for a political campaign in 2020, and then when the pandemic hit, I just kind of just accidentally became an activist because um, I started advocating for workers' rights and for children's rights, uh, parental rights, when it came to the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates in schools. And that's how I met Sean. Um, we met because he was working at Boston Medical Center and um, he was about to lose his job for not wanting to take the vaccine. So we um, started protesting together with many other people. And um, basically when we, when we started protesting the mayor of Boston, Michelle Wu, um, we started to meet and learn from a lot of people all across Boston that they also were not happy with the administration, regardless of their political leaning or you know, how they felt before. Everybody feels ignored. Right. So, so do you see yourself as a kind of a protest candidates, so um, to speak? And, you know, maybe that's an oversimplification, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, I think it is, because I think that um, we generally have a really strange notion of what protesting is. I think mm. it's a very effective tool um, that can be used to put pressure on public officials. And... Um, 
we kind of look at it like it's it's like a, a bad thing or mm -hmm. maybe like a juvenile thing um, or you know you're not following proper pro protocols for addressing the public officials and um, I think that um, you know we're just people who want to make a change yeah so. uh, Sean you said you, you felt like the you weren't being listened to. What, no. What do you mean by that? Well, I was never civilly engaged myself. I was just go to work, go to school, work out, come home, and think everything was okay. But when I lost my job at Boston Medical Center, I was just noticing uh, the same people were talking about, you know, today during election that workers matter. Where was that same men uh, mentality back in 21 when mm -hmm. workers were losing their jobs at hospitals, the police department, fire department, EMS, when they chose not to take a, take a vaccine? I remember discovering Mayor, Shu, Mayor Wu's ad talking about, oh, I support healthcare workers. But when she was campaigning, I didn't see you talking about employers firing the healthcare workers to people who worked during the height of the pandemic. We chose not to take the vaccine. There was no compromise with just taking a test to bypass the shot. Mm -hmm. She didn't do anything. And then when we went to City Hall to go have our voices heard, they just simply ignored us. And when we, again, protested the mayor, Peacefully, she's going in the new cycle. City councilors are repeating her lies, talking about we're racist, we're misogynist, we hate Asians, which is n never the case. We are fed up. We are coming to you as a protest, and you keep blocking the doors at City Hall. You say we're welcome to come there, but when we do, you have security and police blocking the doors, preventing us to come in. Were you amongst the uh, uh, protesters that? Uh when uh, we're outside uh, the mayor's house yes. we at one time? We were the protesters. We, the we protesters. are actually number two and number four on her enemies list. Uh, oh, right. you're, on the, you're on the enemies <laughs> so yes, list. From the are. enemies list to the ballot. Yeah. ballot yeah. <laughs> so when I saw that, because I'm, you know, I'm black, I'm gay, you say you represent me, especially the minorities in Boston, but yet when I come to you to air my grievances, you ignore me and you name call me. So that was kind of like, that's a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. So I kind of said, you know what, this amount of protesting we've done, the times that we've gone to City Hall, trying to talk to the other, you know, counselors, you simply ignore us. Right. We see your actions. You're unwilling to. Uh, now, I, I understand, and I might be, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you will, that the vaccine mandate has basically been lifted now mm -hmm. for employees. Uh, uh, not all employees. Not all employees? Uh, no. And uh, what's been the reaction to uh, uh, voters and people that uh, you, you tell them about your situation, your experiences? And, uh, you know, she it, it was uh, very popular and had a pretty broad mandate, at least amongst the voters, when she was elected. But what's been the reaction of uh, voters when you tell them your stories? Um, there's a lot of people that are unhappy with this administration whether or not they supported vaccine mandates. There's a, a broad range of issues that, that people have with this administration and mm -hmm. they're not happy. And, you know, it, it's kind of like, there's, a there's actually a lot of different communities coming together on this one common ground issue that regardless of what, you know, our political stance is or our stance on anything really, we all agree that we're not happy with this administration. So. Yeah, that's the same thing I get when I walk around the city and talk to people, even not b b past like campaigning. It's like, we don't like this administration. You say, I don't like Wu. 
this is people I don't even know will come up and, and say yes. And they, they feel the same thing, they're ignored. We, during this whole campaign cycle, going through the different forums, people are saying that we don't want bike lanes, we don't, we don't want bus lanes, we don't want overdevelopment. Even though they go to their meetings and speak to their representatives, they still get pushed through. I just want to say for the record, since we brought up the protests mm -hmm. um, at the mayor's house. Were you arrested, by the way? Were you we, we on both those were arrested, yes. yes. But the reason why we initially went to her house in the first place was because there was a rally. There was a, some health freedom group had planned for a big rally in front of City Hall on January 5th of 2022. I say the date because people can look it up if they want to. Um, so on January 5th, there was a big, highly publicized rally that was going to take place in front of City Hall. And then on January 3rd, they closed City Hall, claiming a, a spike in COVID cases. So we said, okay, she's working from home. So I, we're pretty sure that they actually closed City Hall because of the rally that was coming. Um, because this was after we had uh, 200 people protesting in, in City Hall in December when she announced her vaccine mandates. So I think they just didn't want that kind of publicity because that made national news. And you're saying that's why you showed up at her so house? So we went to her house, her we house. protested in front of her house, very peaceful, we were loud, yeah. but we're allowed to be loud. The, yeah. the First Amendment, yeah. you know, and a protest is supposed to be disruptive, yeah. you know, but we were never threatening toward her. We, I mean, we've been this close to Michelle Wu and nothing has ever happened, nothing would ever happen. Um, but the media and the politicians definitely played it up like mm. we were racist, racist, violent, you know, anti-Asian, so many things that were not. I mean, there were Asian people protesting with us. <laughs> Correct. Um, and the, the media also said that we were there every single day. We weren't. We went maybe twice a week. Mm -hmm. Well, and so, and of course the city council deals with a lot of different issues, and I'm going to ask you about some of those as well, but uh, even if you are not successful in this campaign, uh, what will make you feel like you've, you've been, you've achieved your goals? Um, I feel very accomplished. <laughs> yeah, I, just... I think that we've made huge strides over the past few months campaigning. We are managing our own campaigns. Mm -hmm. We have very, very little money. You'll hear tons of people talk about that. Yeah. Um, and that was mainly on purpose. We wanted, well, at least I wanted to do it with as little money as possible um, because I want to be an inspiration to regular people to say, you know, you don't have to be a lawyer or a career politician or part of the family to run for office. Regular people can run for office. And um, so, you know, I think we've done a great thing here because, you know, we, we went from, you know, angry people shouting in front of the mayor's house mm -hmm. who, you know, most people had some, some opinion about that, mm -hmm. you know, regardless, um, to, you know, now people are taking us serious because we put in the work and got ourselves on the ballot. You know, we don't have a team of volunteers like these other candidates. Some of them have teams of like 200 plus people out collecting their signatures. We did it all ourselves. But it's a, it's a huge task to run a campaign. It's not easy. No, it's and, not. and it is expensive. It takes money and sometimes it takes money out of your own pocket. What, what will you, uh, how will you deem yourself uh, have to have achieved your goals. So. I have definitely achieved the goal. I'm, I'm on the ballot. People thought, there's no way that you're going to go do that. Yeah. And I had people online like, you're not going to get your signatures. Yes, I did. I got my 1,500 signatures. I worked from 11 to 7 at night. 
at my, you know, nursing job. And then I would show up at nine o'clock in the morning, leave my job, go stand at some supermarket from nine in the morning until three, four o'clock, mm -hmm. get a little bit of sleep and then go back to work. <laughs> and it was amazing because here's somebody who is basically a nobody in the political realm accomplished to get on the ballot. And it's, it's not easy. It's not, not easy. It wasn't easy, easy, but especially we... Especially if you're running at large. It's one thing if you're running in a district, you know, sometimes it's as few as 200 signatures or even less. In some and it's a uh, district, it's, one, it's 150. Yeah, I was going to say. It and depends upon what the vote turnout was in the right. prior uh, campaigns and races, but still, uh, so uh, yeah. good for you both. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about some of the issues that if you are successful you will have to deal with. Uh, they're removing the tents from uh, Mass and Cass. Uh, is, is that uh, the best way to go? Do you both, uh, do you agree with that? No. I don't. I don't. Why not? Uh, because are they going to actually go get treatment? We know what's going to happen is if they don't have a place to go, they're not actually getting yeah. treatment. They're just going to go back, back onto the streets, either go back to Atkinson Street or claim another section of Boston, and this is going to mm -hmm. happen again. Well, what would you have the city do? Well, first, again, you need to go down there with the specialist to actually talk with these individuals and see what the actual individual needs. I actually worked at a detox clinic, and I knew from talking from all over there in the conversation, some of them, they choose to be on the street. They choose to milk the mm -hmm. system. Some of them do have mental illness where they're compensating with the drugs, and some of them have been physically and mentally abused. So we need to make sure we get the proper treatment mm -hmm. for these individuals. And then at the same time, I know for a fact that because Boston's very generous with their services, people come here from out of state. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that these people are getting, that our services are for Bostonians and people who are not from the state. Mm -hmm. We'll help you out and then we'll do a transition and where you're going back to your own home <coughs> state to get um, services. Well, the city has uh, labored over this for some time. And uh, uh, actually, uh, the mayor went uh, to the council for approval uh, and some suggested she already had the authority to re to re <coughs> remove the tents but uh, uh, Catherine you said you, you agree with that as well. I think it's what? a major civil rights violation. Um, mm -hmm. People I mean I believe that shelter is a human right mm -hmm. so if somebody's choosing or not choosing to, to be living in the street they we, we owe them the dignity of some privacy and Stealing their tents is, I mean, are they going to get help? Who knows? Um, I just think that that was a very weak way to move in on it. I mean, every time they've done it, because I know they've done it more than once, there's a weak way to move in on them, and it's not fair to them. Um, and there's many other things that we could be doing. And, you know, um, it's kind of like drugs are already illegal, and the, the police are not acting on drug transactions down there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've been down there, but yeah. I've been down there quite right. a bit. And I have family members that have actually lived down there. So mm -hmm. even before campaigning and before activism, this was a part of my life. Mm -hmm. I have um, quite a few family members that are struggling with addiction. And um, it's kind of like a safe zone. Drug transactions mm -hmm. happen right in front of police and the police are not allowed to do anything. That's correct. Because they're not allowed to do anything. What, that's what, what it seems. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they openly use drugs and, you know, we have the open drug market. You know, I live like 15 minutes away from Mass and Cass. It used to be my job at BMC, so I can walk down there and see them openly doing drugs before you would go into a corner and hide away from the police, but you're still right there in front of police officers. Um, they're not being told mm -hmm. to stop them. So when they say, like, you know, the mayor who had other positions, there's other laws and other ordinances on the books. I think it's um, Section 31, is it? 35. 35, that basically said a police officer can arrest you for illegal drug activities, and then you can go get help in the mm -hmm. court system. So you're saying you don't think she's been aggressive enough? No. Uh, the Boston police? No. You, you know, no. No. Uh, so I definitely think that they should utilize Section 35, yeah. so, which is very controversial because that is also a civil rights violation. Mm -hmm. However, these people, in my opinion, are suicidal. Mm -hmm. If you are shooting drugs and you know that there's a potential outcome of an overdose, mm -hmm. then you're suicidal as far as I can see. Oh, right. so, so, it's a very complex situation. It is, yeah. but we've also been to like AA meetings where people have even admitted that they used to use it and being locked up and getting dried out, going through the court system and the prison system helped them to help recover because it's like, if you're kind of basically locked up, you don't have access to the drugs. So you want to see more enforcement? Done. Yeah, more enforcement. Well, we shall see because it sounds like they're removing the unit. More enforcement for treatment services, uh -huh. not so much like criminalizing drug uh -huh. use. I don't think that that helps anybody. What about bike lanes? How, how are you feeling? <laughs> we are absolutely <laughs> against I what? bike lanes. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, it's being touted as a public safety measure, <laughs> and, uh, well, way to relieve some of the traffic congestion. Uh, well, some would say it's creating more yeah. congestion. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pedestrian, so I don't drive. But I see how like a lot of these bike lanes are well oversized. They're cluttered with those spikes. If it's not those spikes, it's um, cinder blocks. It's they're taking up one whole lane for a population that barely drives bikes in the city. And what we see, when we're talking about safety. I've witnessed bicyclists. You're not wearing helmets. You got headphones in your ear, and when you're on the street, you don't abide by the law of the traffic laws. I've seen them go right through red lights. Actually, I think me and Captain were driving on Dorchester Avenue. We're at a red light stopped. You had a cyclist that went right through it and nearly got hit by a car making a turn. Um, it's, it's disguised as you know um, safety, but it's really just you're causing more congestion. A lot of these bike lanes, again, they're oversized. You're taking up way too much space. And it's causing congestion. Not even like, you know, if you go down American Legion Highway, two lanes, now into one lane, open space, here's one bike lane here, and then you have this open space that's been painted up with lines, and then these spikes. It's not safety for a medical vehicle to go through because if you're in traffic, there's no way for you to turn off to get out their way. I have to tell you, I've been down that road, and I've never seen any bicyclists <laughs> on that road. But uh, I, I talked to uh, uh, Louise Juin uh, the other day, and she swears there are bicyclists down there, but uh, that's a, a topic for another day. How about uh, zoning changes? How about uh, uh, accessory housing, uh, allowing for accessory housing, uh, more uh, uh, adding a, a unit or an apartment or whatever to your existing unit to try and relieve some of the, uh, the uh, housing uh, crisis that we're facing. Yeah. In yeah. And what about rent control? Do you support rent control? No. No, no why not? <laughs> um, so I definitely support accessory 
dwelling units. Uh -huh. um, I wish that more people would actually take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as rent control, um, I think it's kind of a way to squeeze out the small landlords. Um, I would rather hear them, or I would rather want to take a look at why the landlords are charging so much. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when it's, when it's a big development company or a big um, corporate-owned building or something like that, then, um, you know, maybe, they're, maybe they could pay more taxes. Maybe the small landlords could be charged less taxes if they agree to lower their rents. Uh, that's something that I don't hear people talk about is what about the small landlords? Mm -hmm. Uh, we've got just a few minutes. I, mm -hmm. I, I want to ask you about this because, you know, a lot of people uh, would say, well, why, well, and you talked about your reasons for running, but uh, uh, the environment there is be, in the council itself has become rather toxic. A lot of uh, uh, sharp words and sharp elbows and uh, charges being tossed back and forth, including racism and uh, you name it, uh, uh, and some people would say, "Well, why would you want to put yourself in the middle of an environment mm -hmm. like that?" If you're, what, what do you say to that? Well, so first of all, we're fighters, yeah. and um, we we want to represent the voice of the people because the people feel like they're not being represented mm -hmm. and they're being ignored, and they are, um, especially when hundreds and hundreds of people in every single neighborhood have shown up to oppose the bike lanes and the overdevelopment. And all of these things go through anyway, regardless of what the residents say. Um, I was a restaurant manager at Fernanda Donuts for 14 years, so I've dealt with plenty of people. I've worked with so many different people, and you know, I know I know what it is to be a leader, and I know what it is to maybe have to work with people that you don't like, or people that don't like you, that you don't get along with. At the end of the day, we have a job to do, and we need to be mm -hmm. accountable to the people. So. And I'm, I'm actually very good. I'm very modest, but one thing that I know I'm good at is managing people and different personalities. That's not an easy thing. You, Sean, you said you've dealt with uh, uh, people accusing you of, of being you know, anti-Asian, this, that, because of your protests. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, how would you deal with the, well, the, the culture up there? Well, the same. I know what they do is they're mimicking what's going on in society. When they see it on the federal level, you know, swinging these words around so they get basically likes and views. So when it's time for a new election, like, well, here I am, the the champion of the unjust. So I don't. I know why they, they do it. It's, it's pretty much staged for the cameras. But just like Catherine, I've been working since I was 13 years old. I've worked with all kinds of people, and I, I maybe made it very clear when we have to bump heads. I make people clear. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to do a job, and that job will be working for the people. If we have a disagreement, we're going to have to take it away from the chamber room and in the back office and have this discussion and also be looking at the president of setting the tone of, I mean, I think in, in Congress, if you step out of line, you get fined. I don't think we've ever heard in, anyone from the Boston, from the council being fined for disrupting the, the council chambers or in things of, of that matter. I'm not matter. sure what the council rules are, are on that, although... Uh Many people have said that it's become untenable at, yeah. at times. Now, of course, we've got just a minute or so left. Two of the incumbents uh, got beat in the preliminary election. They're not no longer on the ballot in districts five and six. Of course, they had some troubles of their own along the way. But uh, so, what does that tell you about the 
electorate, the mood of the electorate, and what's your strategy for finishing in the top four? I'll start with you. Well, it's like listening to the people. They got tired of hearing what was going on with those two candidates to the point where everyone's tired of the government, and they had their chance to make a change. So we saw the, um, the results of their actions while their time been in the council, on the council. One thing is capitalizing on the fact that, again, I am a regular person. I am not a lawyer. I did not go to college that well. I am just a regular person. Like, like all the candidates at one point, they were regular people. They're not special. Mm -hmm. So it's echoing that anybody can basically do this job. You just have to have the, the will to go do it. And again, being our constituent, I've seen their bad behaviors. I know you're not working for me. And echoing that throughout the city is I'm here for the people, mm -hmm. not for a political party, not for my own interests. Okay. Catherine, we've got, I'm sorry, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, I basically second everything that Sean just said. <laughs> and, you know, um, I'm an honest person. We're both honest people. And that's what the people mm -hmm. need. They need transparency and they need people that are going to stand their ground and represent the people. Yeah, and that's yeah. who we are. I want to wish you both the best of luck and thank you so much for coming in tonight. Uh, Sean Nelson, Catherine Vitale uh, running at large. Two of the eight candidates on the ballot Tuesday. Again, the top four finishers will be elected to the Boston City Council at large. And of course, uh, nine others will be elected by district. and. Uh, uh, just a program note to our viewers, uh, we will pro be providing live coverage with all the results of Tuesday's election on Tuesday night starting at 8.30, and we hope you'll join us then. I want to thank you both for coming in and joining us. When we come back, uh, we'll shift to a district race, the District 6 race, uh, and uh, we've invited both of the top two finishers in the preliminary from there, uh, uh, Ben Weber and William King, and we'll have a... Uh, bit of a mini debate with them when we come back. Stay tuned. On Monday, green and racial equity crossed at the Green Equity Partnership event in Dorchester. The City of Boston and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts have collaborated with Action for Equity, an organization focused on making policies to address racial and class inequities through a new program that aims to uplift communities of color as well as creating new clean energy jobs. It's about making sure that communities, and specifically black and brown communities that have often been um, struggled to get work in the construction trades, have struggled at times to get work in others of these new fields that are being created because of climate change, because of the need to retrofit. Um, if you weren't already in the game, sometimes it's very, very hard to get in. And so I think this partnership is really important because it's about training folks from this neighborhood, from surrounding neighborhoods who are already directly impacted by climate change to be at the forefront of the solutions. The goal is to train and employ BIPOC residents as electricians in hers rating, heat pump installation, and other clean energy and decarbonization roles. Green jobs are growing and high paying, and the Green Equity Partnership is determined to bring more people of color into the economic expansion. It's important for the jobs that, that people perform for them to be paid well, to be able to sustain their families so that they don't have to have two or three jobs, you know, that they can keep up with the economic trends. It's important that with the change in um, the climate change and, and the, the need for new energy sources, that as the transition takes place and the money is paid to the workforce, 
that our people in this community become empowered first with the skill set to be able to perform that work and secondly to be able to get the wages necessary to sustain their families and remain in this community. Job equity is crucial, but only one piece of the puzzle. Action for Equity also focuses on ensuring affordable, environmentally sustainable housing and transportation for lower income communities and people of color. As we work towards our net zero goals, we need to do it in a way so that those who are most impacted by the climate crisis also achieve the most benefits from the clean energy transition. And we need to specifically look at how we can recruit and train and employ communities of color so that they are achieving the benefits of this work and this clean energy transition. People of color, BIPOC people, need to get the opportunity to get into these uh, new emerging jobs like heating, uh, wind farms, um, uh, clean energy jobs. Because you know, part of the landscape of Boston is becoming so expensive and we need quality jobs that will provide people living wages so they can continue to live in Boston. One of the consequences of not having these quality, high-paying jobs are people being forced to move outside of Boston because they can no longer live here. On Tuesday, the Dimmick Center celebrated the groundbreaking of Boston's first clinical stabilization services for men. The center will renovate and repurpose the Dr. Marie Zacheska building to provide much-needed post-detox support. There's individuals who come to our detox and now we're able to come right across the street. For so many men, that's a challenge because if they don't have this immediate opportunity and we have to send them to south of Boston or north of Boston, many of them lose the opportunity to have this continuous approach to their treatment. And we do know that if we can keep someone in treatment for 90 days in a structured program, the odds of truly getting into recovery are so much higher. The renovated building will offer 32 beds, mental health services, and intensive clinical services. Construction is anticipated to be completed by June 2025. City leaders and recovery specialists are excited for what's in store, grateful to the Yaki Foundation, which has provided $2.5 million to expand addiction treatment. For over 80 years, the Yaki's approached philanthropy in this manner, private, quiet, and always deflecting the glory of the spotlight to others. And this project is especially important to us because we realize that you're giving the tools to people who need to move forward with recovery, but that's a very private, quiet journey that they need to go on by themselves with as much support as we can give them as possible. So we're certain that this project, the leaders, the missions of providing state-of-the-art clinical stabilization program for men is exactly the type of thing that the Yaquis would support if they were with us today. Department of Public Health reports that opioid-related deaths have been on the rise since 2019 in the state, increasing by 36 percent. The shortage of clinical stabilization programs have been a barrier in the process of recovery for many, allowing men to cycle in and out of detox in a vicious cycle. There are gaps um, in the continuum of care for people with substance use disorder. People go in at the entry level um, of the continuum and then typically don't have a place to go from there. Um, we know that the longer people stay in treatment and stay engaged, the better the outcomes are. Um, this will allow us to keep people engaged and keep people in a program for longer. Um, Dimmick is expanding their services. Uh, there are not many beds like this um, in the Boston area. And so adding this key piece of the treatment continuum will really help people with substance use disorder.
All right, we're back with more of Talk to the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host. Tonight, more election 2023 coverage, and of course, uh, the uh, final preliminary, or the final municipal election is coming up this coming Tuesday, right around the corner. And uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, some very, very interesting races on the ballot this year, including the race for the District 6 City Councilor. That includes uh, uh, most of Jamaica Plain, West Roxbury, and a slice of Roslindale, if I recall correctly. And uh, uh, it's in that district, the uh, incumbent uh, came up short, Kendra Lara, uh, finished third and out of the money. Tonight, we're fortunate to have the top two finishers in the preliminary uh, joining us for a mini debate of sorts to uh, talk about some of the issues and to give you a better idea of what they're about. Uh, joining me on uh, my far left, your right, uh, uh, he's a uh, labor lord, lawyer by profession uh, from Jamaica Plain, Ben Weber. Nice to have you here, Ben. Thanks Thank so much. Thanks for having I me. I appreciate it. And from uh, West Roxbury, uh, he's an IT director, William King. Nice to have you here. Thanks, to both. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks to both of you for coming in. Well, uh, for those uh, of our viewers that may not be familiar with you uh, and, you know, kind of what's at stake in this race, so to speak, uh, uh, give us some idea of what what's, uh, separates you, what, what makes you a, a better, more qualified candidate uh, for this seat than your opponent. And we'll start with you, Ben. Okay. Uh, well, I've been a workers' rights attorney for 18 years. Uh, I've represented migrant farm workers in the South. I've represented nurses, custodians, uh, other hospital staff in other cases, and I've represented delivery drivers, uh, firefighters, and police officers here in Massachusetts. Uh, I've also raised two kids in Boston. Uh, I've been here 15 years. Uh, both my kids are in the Boston public schools. Uh, I think I know what uh, people uh, deal with when having to uh, handle the Boston public school system. Both my kids went to a school that was shut down last year called the Mission Hill School. And uh, you know, I, I just want to use the skills I've gained as, as an attorney for 18 years representing large groups of workers you know, to represent my friends and neighbors in District 6. William? Yeah, so you know, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong Boston resident. I'm a product of the Boston Public Schools mm -hmm. from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Uh, I grew up uh, you know, not from far from here, actually, uh, right on American Legion Highway in Blue Hill Ave. Uh, and you know, I have the I have the lived experience that uh, you know many of the of the residents uh, here uh, have. You know, uh, you know, I've uh, you know I've experienced uh, overcrowded classrooms in our school system, uh, the lack of uh, education opportunities, uh, disparities in in uh, education. Um, you know, come from a family that struggled financially, living paycheck to paycheck. A mom who was disabled and a dad who had to work uh, multiple minimum wage jobs just to provide. Um, you know, I've I've witnessed the the violence uh, on on our streets. Uh, you know, and I've uh, you know seen personally. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I've I've seen someone shot right in front of right, right in front of my house before. Um, you know, and you know, I've seen what violence and, and trauma does to our communities and. You know, but how communities, uh, you know, come together to, to comfort one another and the loss of a loved one. You know, I've, I've lost my sister when, when I was uh, 15 years old due to, uh, you know, uh, problems with, uh, with substance abuse. Um, so, 
know, I, I, ha I understand a lot of the, the issues mm -hmm. that, that face us here in the city and have lived through them myself. Well, you know, and that raises you talking about uh, substance abuse, of course. Uh, uh, as you both well know, uh, the uh, city decided, some would say, finally decided to remove the uh, uh, tents from down at Mass and Cass. Uh, a lot of uh, some survivors, uh, a lot of people with uh, uh, issues down there. Uh, did you agree with that? Is that the right move? Uh, why don't we start with you and come back to you, Ben? Is that that's all right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think something had to had to happen. I think that's that's a good good first step. Uh, you know, it was it was getting pretty violent uh, over there. Uh, it got dangerous for for people who who would try to walk down uh, Atkins Street or some of our first responders that were going there. Uh, so I think that it, it was a good first step. Uh, you know, it's not going to solve the the problem entirely. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that we we've recognized that there is a problem and something has to be done. And yeah, I think we're starting to move in that right direction. Ben, has the city been aggressive enough, in your opinion, in, in uh, dealing with uh, some of the problems down there? Um, yeah, I, well, I, I, I agree with the, uh, the removal of the tents. I think there are people down there, you know, in Mass and Cass who are suffering and we need to help them. Uh, the idea is to get people into services and get them the services that they need and, and, and into some housing so they can put their lives back together. So, uh, you know, I, I, I support the, the mayor's, uh, you know, sort of a push to be able to do more on Mass and Cass because the status quo was resulting, you know, in a lot of suffering for the folks that were Some people there. said she waited too long. She should have done this months ago. What do you say to that? Well, I, so I, I don't know what, what information she had or, yeah. or what they were looking at. It was certainly getting worse and it was, you know, it was time to act. And, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we can uh, provide the services that those people need. Well, uh, you know, I'm playing a devil's advocate as well. So uh, you don't mind me. But, uh, uh, of course, you know, one of the proposals, uh, it's really actually a state uh, proposal, uh, is to uh, 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 demolish the Shattuck Hospital and, and build supportive housing and, and s provide services for addiction treatment. Some, I'm, I'm not sure how much mental health, but I'm assuming some of that as well. I, I'm not sure if the Shattuck is, is in District 6 or 5. I think it's right on the border, but certainly it affects a lot of uh, uh, Jamaica Plain neighborhoods. Uh, is that something you can support? Yeah, I'll start yeah. with you and come back. Sure. I mean, I think it's a very important issue, not only for District 6, but all the neighborhoods yeah. around Franklin Park uh, and the, the, the city at large. We've got a, a, you know, a crisis with uh, people suffering on Mass and Cass. I want to see uh, a plan that helps people get the services that they need. Uh, there are major problems and issues with the proposal. Uh, for one, uh, they, uh, both the state and uh, BMC, have said they are only looking at this one space. You know, I think this is a region-wide problem. There are people coming from all over the place to who who are using mass and casses, you know, to use drugs. And um, I, you know, I think I'd like to see a plan that where where you know our neighborhood is part of the solution, but not the only part of the solution. There's also been concerns about the size of the project. Uh, you know, I. I I want to see science that shows that a project of the, the one, the size that's been proposed, you know, can actually succeed. Another issue is 
whether you can have people in short-term recovery alongside people with long-term recovery. There's been some statements by healthcare administrators that might not be a good idea. And lastly, there's been no plans in place for how they're going to mitigate the impacts uh, of this facility, uh, you know, for, on, on the neighborhood. And so, you know, uh, I, before you know we can go forward, we need to have those conditions met. There needs to be plans in place for the neighborhood. There needs to be a, a, a science that's going to support a project of this size and of this kind. So you're supportive of the concept, but you'd want to see the details. William, how about you? What's yeah. your take on that project, that proposal? So, yeah, it's a, it's, it is a personal issue for me because of, uh, you know, the loss of my sister. And, you know, if Mass and Cass was around when she was, uh, you know, she would have been on Mass and Cass. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that we need to approach this with, with compassion. Uh, it's a you know very delicate situation that we want to get right. Um, but I do oppose the the project. Uh, I don't think that it solves the problem. I think it simply relocates Mass and Cast to Franklin Park. And when you know there have been meetings uh, with uh, with BMC about this with with the community mm -hmm. and asked about security and what precautions are going to be in place to make sure that doesn't happen, they haven't been able to answer the question. Now, I think 850 units are just simply, you know, too much serving up to 2,000 people, I've, I've heard. And, you know, we really need to take a regional, statewide a, approach to, to this. I'm in favor of, you know, not concentrating everything in one area, but spreading it out smaller pockets throughout mm -hmm. the region so that patients can get more individual care and uh, the attention that they, that they need. Um, you know, so I, so you have a lot of doubts about it. I, I do. I, I think whatever, whatever we're going to do, we need to actually, uh, solve the problem rather than just relocate the problem. Okay. Uh, let's shift over to uh, West Roxbury. Uh, what about bike lanes on center street? Uh, now there's a, I, I'm, I'm seeing signs pro and anti, or, or maybe it's the other way around. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, but uh, seems to have divided the community there. Uh, how, how are you feeling about uh, the mayor and the uh, Boston Transportation Department's plan to reduce the lanes there and put bike lanes in instead? Yeah, so I think everybody, um, everybody agrees that something on Center Street has to happen. You know, just the current, uh, how it was, just wasn't safe. Uh, we want to make sure that there were a yeah. couple of pedestrian deaths there on, on Center Street over the years. There, there were, yeah. I mean, so, so we want to make sure that it's safe, that no one has to worry about getting hit by a car. They do, it's, there's a very real concern called the double threat. You know, when someone's getting ready to cross the street, the car on the outside lane can see them, but the car on the inside lane can't and just keeps on going. You know, and, and that's scary. I've been on, on both sides of, of that. So something, something has to happen. I think that we could have had more buy-in from the community if there was more of a community process. A lot of residents just mm -hmm. felt like they weren't being heard, that they didn't have a say or any input mm -hmm. in the matter. And they've raised some, some very uh, real concerns mm -hmm. of what's going to happen to traffic on the side streets. Uh, are we going to force double parking so that we don't have uh, cars double parked in the only travel? Is it now? too late? Would you insist on some further process? Uh, I mean, I would have, I would have loved to, but it is currently uh, going in right now. Mm -hmm. uh, construction is underway, and, right. and the road is being redesigned. What's your thoughts on it, Ben? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> people get very passionate about it. Uh, it's very interesting when you when you talk to people there. Some you know, totally opposed. Some say, you know, 
about time. Well, yeah, it's, it's an important issue in the community and it's something that who, whoever gets elected representing District 6 uh, is gonna have to deal with issues like that and, and, and make the, sure the community feels like they have a voice in, in City Hall. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, William's right, it's, uh, it's going in, uh, it's gonna be completed middle of, toward, toward the end of November. Uh, and I agree that, you know, we, there was a, we want our streets to be safe enough to, to walk around on. Was the, Mayor Wu deaf to the community though, in your opinion? Uh, I, I, you know, I, so I think this is originally a, a, a Marty Walsh proposal, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I do think uh, that there could have been more community process, uh, but in the end, we're, I, I'm optimistic we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, road streets that are safer for pedestrians, and it's going to increase foot traffic. Uh, but you know the community has valid concerns, and it's up to us to you know and to monitor traffic on the side streets, make sure emergency vehicles can get down the street, and that the businesses on Center Street are able to you know thrive. Well, uh, now you said you, you have two children, or did have two children in Boston Public Schools. Uh, William, you uh, said you went through the Boston Public Schools. There's a change in the admission policy for the exam schools, and. Uh, uh, and it changed over to a point system and it's kind of complicated so i won't go through it but but from my understanding the end result could mean that uh, it would reduce the number of students from west roxbury for instance that could go to exam schools Is, do you agree with the policy or do you think it should be revisited uh, uh, start with you, Ben, and we'll come back to William. Sure, yeah, I, I'm, both my kids are still in BPS. My son's a junior at the Boston Arts Academy, uh -huh. and my daughter's in sixth grade at the Curley. So we're about to go through this process. About to find out. Right? Yeah, um, so uh, I, I've, I, my opinion on, the, on that issue is informed by a case that I worked on representing black and Latino police officers against the city of Boston. Uh -huh. And what we found was that uh, what we showed in court was that the city was not promoting black and Latino police officers. And part of the, the main reason why is they're using a written multiple choice test to, to, uh, to do promotions. And that on average, there's gonna be a several point score difference uh, between black and Latino test takers and white test takers. And it has nothing to do with intelligence. Uh, sometimes it just has to do with people's expectations going in. So when you give a written test like that, you're gonna result in this sort of disparate impact you know, on black and Latinos. And we were seeing that at our top tests in schools in the, in the number of people getting in. So I'm in favor of a system that is putting all of the kids in the city on a level playing field. And so- The you know, current system. Well, I'm in favor of a system right now yeah. that's putting, every, and that, that is allowing you know, uh, uh, somebody who comes from you know, an, right. uh, uh, you know, comes from uh, an English speaking family who's got resources to pay for tutoring and, and on the same level as somebody who's just came here from Haiti with their family five years ago. And so I think the system is, is the changes are designed to create that level playing field. There, we haven't had enough years. There's gonna be more data on whether, you know, the system right now is, right. is gonna be producing the results that we want. But I feel like, you know, we needed to make changes yep. to make our school system fair. William, has that leveled the playing field in your opinion? Or is it uh, hurting some families that uh, through no fault of their own uh, may deserve or should receive consideration for entrance into those schools? But I, so I think I, ideally, yeah, we want we want a merit-based system. Um, I 
don't, I'm not in favor of, of a test, uh, just because people, you know, test differently and uh, your score of your test is impacted by, you know, how you wake, woke up that morning, what happened to you the night before. Uh, there's so many things that, that can affect the, the score of a, of a test and some people just aren't good test takers. Um, so I don't think that they should be, be penalized because of that. I think that we need to work to find a system that, uh, that does, uh, you know, work well. But look, I mean, I think that we really need to be working on all of our schools and making sure that no matter where you go to school in this city, that you're getting a quality education. Well, and, and along those lines are somewhat different, but the uh, 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 school committee has recommended uh, moving, and the mayor has proposed moving the uh, uh, John D. O'Brien School of Mathematics, an exam school, one of the three exam schools, to the West Roxbury campus. Uh, do you like that idea? Very quickly? Yeah, I think that's it's good for the district. Um, I would love to see a commuter rail stop put in there for the kids who are on the other side of the city that have to commute. Um, but overall, I think it's it's good for the district and good for the school. Good idea. Yeah, well, I like the idea. It expands the school, gives those kids access to modern you know facilities. But there is a lot of pushback from uh, Roxbury and those communities who call this yeah. their you know their home school. And so I think the mayor needs yeah. to get the buy-in from the community. All right. Now we've got just a couple of minutes left, and and uh, I got to ask you. I, I, you know, it's uh, the atmosphere of the council. Uh, has not been particularly pleasant. Some would call it toxic over the last couple of years. Uh, some charges, counter charges, including racism, bigotry, you know, back and forth, some harsh words. Some would wonder why you'd want to put yourselves in that situation. Uh, and, uh, but here's what I want to ask you, and uh, we've just got uh, you know, a couple minutes left, so keep your answers relatively short. How would you work to make the, the council more civil and less toxic. What would you personally do to try and change the culture in there? And William, I'll start with you this time. Yeah, I think that uh, you know we need a we need a real leader on the council that can bring people together. Uh, is that you? I I believe it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been saying I work well with everybody. We need to all work together. We need to work to find compromise and common ground because. That's when uh, we start delivering real results. You know, I have uh, I have support from from two counselors, Councillor Aaron Murphy and Councillor Tanya Fernandez Anderson. I'm already being that bridge builder and bringing bringing people mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they believe, haven't always agreed, certainly. Yeah, but they agree on me. Yeah, Ben, how can you bring those people, all those two sides, and maybe there's more than two sides. I'm not sure together, but you know, it has been. I, I think some people would say nasty in there at times. Well, you know, as an attorney, it's been 18 yeah. years in sort of adversarial situations where people are getting paid, you know, to, to, to oppose me and make my life difficult. But in the end, it doesn't serve my clients to get into a you know, personal back and forth. What we do is we work toward a practical solution, and that often requires me to work with somebody who I've been working against for, you know, seven, eight, nine years. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, a, a, a treating people with respect, respecting their positions and viewpoints on things, mm -hmm. and working with them is something I've been able to do for nearly two decades. Well, you, you both finished very close together uh, uh, in the preliminary uh, and uh, uh, eliminated uh, Councilor Lara. What's the lesson from that, and uh, how do you how do you get over the top now between now and, and uh, 
election day. Let's see, where did we start? Let's come back with you and we'll go to Will. We've got 30 seconds. Yeah, well, the, the, the lesson is, you know, people want a city council that, that where the councilors are building bridges and, you know, we're, we're, um, we're a city council that works and we're a city council everyone could be proud of. Uh, and, uh, you know, both of us are we're close to the finish line and just getting out there and meeting as many voters as we can before election day. Will, how do you finish at the uh, yeah. top uh, this, um, this heap? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of hard work these, yeah. these next five days. Um, you know, just every chance chance we get talking with, with voters and letting them know our, our vision for the district, which we think is really going to resonate with, with people. Well, best of luck to both of you. Thanks so much for, for coming in. Again, uh, Ben Weber, William King, the top two finishers in the prelim for the District 6 Council seat. That's a West Roxbury, Jamaica Plain, a little slice of Roslindale. Uh, Tuesday, November 7th is election day. Please turn out and vote that day. And then tune in to uh, BNN starting at 8.30 that night to get all the results and some analysis. Thanks for watching tonight. Have a pleasant evening. Good night. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119. Attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.